So good to see all of you today. Let me challenge you again to at least invite one person during the week to come and worship with you. We need to be a little enthusiastic about our gospel and the Savior and the Lord that we worship. Uh, we are so glad to have all of you who are here today, and especially those of you who are visiting with us, and hope that you've received a warm welcome already. And we want to extend an invitation to others who may be watching by the internet to come and to worship with us. We're going to do uh, uh, what we call an ancient hymn. Uh, all of you know the hymn, I assume most of you know the hymn, Draw Me Nearer, Draw Me Nearer, 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 Blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. This is to that tune, but we're going to do two verses and then the chorus. And you'll see it up there on the screen. See if you can follow along. Dear Lord, to us assemble here, reveal thy glorious face. While we by faith with love and fear approach thy throne of grace. Thy house is called a house of prayer, a solemn sacred place. Oh, let us now thy presence share while at thy throne of grace. Draw me Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. With holy boldness may we come no other sin. to find in Christ there's room before thy throne of grace. Dear Lord, how many needs supply attend to every case. While humbled in the dust we lie before thy throne me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. We bless Thee for Thy word of truth. Bless thee for thy peace, and we do bless thee, Lord, because there is a throne of grace. Draw me nearer, draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer. Blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. All right, well, we're going to stand together and open your Bibles to Genesis 41. Now, let me say this while you're standing. I had announced last week, probably most of you do not remember it, but I announced that we were going to see a five-minute DVD of an orphan program. We're going to do that next week because things were not prepared today to do that. So we'll do that next week. I hope you'll bring somebody here. It's worth seeing. It's about a work that's here in Williamson County uh, that helps orphan children. And the Lord knows they need some help. So please try to bring some people and bring folks that have kids 
and come yourself next week. All right, let's look at Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41, and we'll read one verse, verse 45. Verse 45, Genesis chapter 41, this is our 55th study on the story of Joseph. Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zathnath Paaniah, and he gave him to wife Asenoth, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. May the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his word, and let God's people say, Praise the Lord. You may be seated. I'm going to make one more announcement before we get into the Word of God because I should have done this earlier. After the service, when the service is over, any of you who have children from age 5 to 12, ages 5 to 12, I'd like to see you and your children down here in the first pew. Won't keep it, but just a minute. If you have children ages 5 to 12, come down and meet with us. If your children aren't here today and you have children, come down and meet with us for just a minute down here on the first pew. Okay? Have you ever had the, heard the phrase, what's in a name? What's in a name? Well, in the Bible, names are extremely significant. You might remember that a fellow named Abram, a Syrian his name was changed to what? To Abraham. And his wife's name was Sarai, and her name was changed to Sarah. And you might not know some of the names and what they mean, but all of them are significant. The fellow that we know as Saul of Tarsus, who was a Jewish rabbi, he was converted to Christ. He was brought to Jesus as Messiah, and we know him as Paul the Apostle. He wrote 13 of the New Testament books, and if you believe that he wrote the book of Hebrews, then he wrote 14 of the New Testament books. Now there are 39 books in the Old Testament, so if you can remember three times nine, 39 three times nine, how much is that? That's 27. That's how many books in the New Testament. So we've got 66 books, and all of those books always emphasize the importance of a name. I bet you don't know the person in the Bible. This is a quiz that we could ask for the kids. What person in the Bible didn't have any parents? What person in the Bible didn't have any parents? Well, that was Joshua, the son of Nun. Have you ever read that? Joshua, the son of Nun. Only problem is that Nun is spelled N-U-N. So I don't know if his mother was a, a woman who was a religious woman or not in the Roman Catholic Church or Nun. Judah means praise. Joshua means Jehovah saves. It is exactly the same name translated Jesus in the New Testament. Simeon means hearing. Israel means ruling with God. Caleb means bold or impetuous. All of these names are significant. In the New Testament, we have a fellow named Levi. We know him as Matthew. We know him as the man who wrote the Gospel of Matthew. You might be surprised if you did a little research on your own name. You look at all your names, your first name, your middle name. I'm talking about those, those uh, first names and the last name. You might be surprised at how those names describe the person you are. Look up your name. Do a little research on it. You might be shocked to know that in the providence of God, your name describes the type of personality that you have. 
Well, here in Genesis chapter 41, as we've come across this new name given unto Joseph. In our last study, we began to see some of the rewards given to Joseph. He's been treated badly now for 13 years. He was 17 years old, now he's 30 years old. He's been in prison for up to four years. There's some question about exactly how long he was in prison. And now, suddenly, he's been released from prison. And not only has he been released, he has had a tremendous promotion by the Pharaoh of Egypt. So in our last study, we looked at this great promotion given to Joseph, and we contrasted that with the promotion given to the sinners in this world who are made saints of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have seen that the promotion of Joseph is inferior when we consider our own promotion in the Lord Jesus Christ through faith in Him. So if you are a believer in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ, if you have trusted Him, if you belong to Him, if you've received Him, you have received a promotion. And you are going to receive a greater promotion still in the future when we see Him when He comes again. Here in verse 45, we see that the Pharaoh has given Joseph a name. He's given him a name, Zathnath Paania. I doubt they said that whole name every time they called him. They probably just called him Zath. <laughs> hey, Zath, come on over here. Zathnath Paania is the name given to Joseph. Now, this name, as all the names in the scriptures I've said to you, is significant. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at this name and what it says to us and how it speaks to us regarding ourselves, our salvation, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our salvation. It says he was given a new name, a new name by the Pharaoh. There are three grand revelations about this new name, and that's what I am going to teach you about today. We may understand these revelations, these three revelations, in two ways, which I've already mentioned. Since Joseph is a child of God, we can understand this new name as applicable or applicable to every child of God. speaks to us about something about us. And secondly, since since Joseph is a wonderful type of the promised Messiah, we may understand his new name as applicable or applicable of the Lord Jesus, pointing to Jesus. Now let's look at them one at a time. In the first place, his name means, this name, Zathnath Paania, means a revealer of secrets, a revealer of secrets of secrets. Pharaoh called him this because it was Joseph who interpreted Pharaoh's dream, and not only that, told him the significance of the dreams and what to do about what those dreams predicted. A revealer of secrets, one to whom hidden things are revealed. A prophet, a foreteller of future things. Now, Joseph, as I've already said, is a child of God, and he was shown something that was secret from everybody else. And guess what? Children of God, if you're a child of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we, children of God, are also shown things that are kept secret from the world. This event was kept secret from Pharaoh and his advisors, but it was revealed to Joseph. Joseph saw what was coming, and so do we. For example, there is a spiritual famine that is coming, a famine of hearing of the Word of God. 
Amos chapter 8, verse 11, we read this. Behold, the days will come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread or thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. When we look forward, we know a famine is coming. It may be already here. It may be amongst us now. We know that men will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13, evil men and seducers will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We know that there will be increasing wars and rumors of wars. We know that there is coming a great falling away, that multitudes of people will begin to abandon their profession of faith in Jesus as the Christ. Read about it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We know that there will be worldwide pestilences. There will be increasing earthquakes. There will be economic collapse. There will be unimaginable ungodliness and perversion. Horrific times are coming, great tribulation, so much violence that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 that unless those days were shortened, no flesh on earth would be saved. Technology won't be able to save us. We see right now people can float a balloon over the United States take pictures and do anything else they want. And I tell you what I was afraid of. I was afraid that those balloons would be filled with some type of bacteria or some other thing. And so you go up there and shoot it down. And what it does, it just rains it out on the whole nation and people begin to get sick and all of these things. You don't know what's happening, but we're living in dangerous times. Technology is not going to be able to save us. The goodness of man and the knowledge of man will not be able to save us. My mother used to say when I was a little boy that the Bible teaches that men will grow wiser and weaker. Wiser and weaker. We keep growing in our knowledge of things, our understanding of things, but we're getting weaker and weaker, especially spiritually speaking. Joseph saw the trouble that was coming upon Egypt and the Lord has shown us the trouble that is coming upon the whole world. Children of God are shown things kept secret from the foundation of the world. Look in John chapter 1. We're going to look at some passages this morning. If you don't have a Bible, then maybe we can put this on the screen. It's John chapter 1 and it's verse 18. John chapter 1 and it's verse 18. How in the world can a person know God? The Bible says God is spirit. God is spirit. How can you see a spirit? How can you find a spirit? Where will you go to come to know God if he is a spirit that cannot be seen, if he's invisible, if he's immortal? Where are you going to find him? Well, Jesus is the great revealer of God. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 18, No man has seen God at any time. That is, no man has seen the essence of God in that spiritual form at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. When he told his disciples, I'm going away, they said, Lord, where are you going? He said, well, you can't come where I'm going now, but you'll come later. They said, well, where are you going? How are we going to know how to get there? He said, well, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the light. He said that to them, right? And then Thomas said, and Jesus said, now, if you, if you know me, you know the Father. And, and then Thomas said, well, well show us the Father. Show us the Father, and that'll satisfy it. And Jesus said this, Thomas, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How then do you say to me, show us the Father? If you know Jesus, you know the Father. In heaven, there's not going to be three thrones. 
there'll be one throne in heaven, one throne. And there'll be a man seated on that throne. And that man will be the man, Christ Jesus, the God-man, the man who's God. If you go back in this verse of, uh, I mean, this chapter, John chapter 1, go back to those wonderful first two or three verses, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. The life was the light of men. And then you go down to verse 14, and it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. This word that was with God, that was God, that created all things. When you go back to the Garden of Eden, and you see Adam and Eve walking in the garden, And then it says, and the Lord came to visit them in the cool of the day. And listen, this is what it says. And it says, and they heard the voice walking. They heard the voice of God walking in the garden. That voice of God is the one we call the second person of the Godhead, the Son. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Jesus said... No man knows the Father but the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. And so Joseph is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ who reveals truth to us and who reveals God to us. Did you know that the rulers of the Romans and the rulers of the Jews that had they known who Jesus really was, they would not have crucified him. Listen to these words. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It wasn't revealed to them. The Lord revealed to the Apostle Paul something that was kept back from the Jews. We're going to look at more of this, God willing, next week. Something that the Lord showed Paul, who was a Jew, Something that was kept back from the Jews, and it was this, that the Gentiles would partake of the salvation of God through faith in Jesus as the Messiah. Listen to these words now. It's found in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 3. How that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. That's verse 3. And I will skip down to verse 5 which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. In other words, the Jews never dreamed that Gentiles would ever be children of God. They thought that only Israel could be children of God. Yes, Joseph was named Zathnot Paania, a revealer of secrets. And the Lord showed him things kept secret from the Pharaoh and kept secret from his advisors. And the Lord has shown us things which are hidden from the world. And Joseph is going to use that revelation given him to prepare himself and to prepare Egypt from the coming trouble. So let me ask you this question. Are you using, am I using, are we using the revelation given to us about the future, not only of ourselves but of the world, are we using this information to prepare for what is coming? The Bible says Jesus has the keys to death and hell. He can open it or he can shut it. The Bible says Jesus has conquered death and through faith in him, we can conquer death also. Death is coming. Are we prepared?
Have we considered the grave toward whence we are hastening? Have we stored up the bread of heaven and the water of life that we might escape hell and the second death? Joseph was shown a way out, and so have we. We've been shown a way out. Jesus is the way out. Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the stairway to glory. All who come to Jesus as the Christ are like Joseph, and they are given a new name. Listen to this from Revelation chapter 2. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcomes, I will give to eat of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name. A new name written, which no man knows, but he that receives it. That's Revelation 2.17. Now listen to this. Him that overcomes, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall no more go in and out. I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from God, and I will write upon him my new name. See, we're going to have new names. We have new names. Has the Lord shown you what is coming? Has he given you faith to receive it and faith to believe it and faith to prepare for it? So the first meaning of Joseph's name here, this new name given him, is revealer of secrets. Revealer of secrets. Well, let's move on. There's a second meaning of this new name, Zephnath Paeonia. It means the Savior of the world, the Savior of the world. Can there be any doubt to whom that points to, that title? My friends, Pharaoh knew that Joseph was the only one who could tell he and his people how to be saved from the coming trial, the coming trouble, the coming famine. So I'm asking us, have we come to understand that Jesus is the only one who can save us. He's the only one who can save our family, our friends, our people. He's the only one who can save this nation. Now listen, are you ready for this? If you understand that, if you understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, here's what I have to say to you. Flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but the Father which is in heaven. When Jesus asked his disciples who they thought he was, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Peter, answering for the rest of them, said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And here's what Jesus said to Peter and the disciples. Blessed are you. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. I want you to turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. And let's look at chapter 13. Now we don't have to second guess about some of these basic things. We just have to believe God. Don't take the Lord and put him under your understanding. Well, I'll believe just as far as I can understand. No, the scripture says in the book of Hebrews, it is through faith that we understand. We don't come to faith because we understand. We understand through faith. We understand through faith. The Lord Jesus said to Peter and those other apostles when they said, you're the Christ. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the one that's been promised. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. Then he went on to say this. He said, upon this rock, this profession. There are two words used in the scripture about rock. One means a big gigantic rock, which refers to God or Christ, and the other one means a little pebble. Like a little pebble you'd have in your shoe that would give you trouble, and you'd have to take your shoe off and pull it out. That was the term that was 
uh, used to describe Peter. It is the confession of faith, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, that Jesus said he would build his church upon. Very important. Upon this confession of faith, that I'm the Christ, I'm the Son of the living God, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, there are things you and I are going to differ on beyond that. Some of us are premillennialists. Some of us are postmillennials. Some of us are millennialists. Some of us are panmillennialists. It'll all pan out. Some of us are premillennial post-trib. Some of us, it's, it's, it's all of that. But here's the thing. Here's the issue. Here's the thing that you would need to make clear if you were in a jail with me and I were in a jail with you. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? That's the issue. Beyond that, we've got all these eschatological views, prophecy views. We have these ecclesiastical views, the views of the church. We have these soteriological views, the views about salvation. We have these pneumatological views, the views about the Holy Spirit. We've got all of these views. But the bottom line is this. It ain't what you believe about this, that, and the other. It's what you believe about him. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded he is able to keep that once I've committed unto him against that day. That's the issue. That's the issue. Now, in Jesus said, flesh and blood is not revealed this unto you, my Father which is in heaven. It is on this profession that I will build my church. Now, in Matthew chapter 13, and I've said this hundreds of times, but 101 won't hurt. In the first 12 chapters of Matthew, there are no parables. Jesus began to speak in parables in chapter 13. Okay? Chapter 13. Why did Jesus speak in parables? All right, look at verse 10. Verse 10. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, Why are you speaking to them in parables? And what was Jesus' answer? Verse 11. He answered and he said to them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Can anything be clearer? It's given to some. It is not given to others. Okay? Let's go back to Joseph. It was given to Joseph. It wasn't given to Pharaoh and his advisors. Do you understand? If you understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, it is given to you. It's a gift. It's given to you. It's not something you figured out. I went back years ago and I started reading some uh, Jewish articles about what the Jews themselves thought about Abraham and how he came to believe in the one true living God. You realize that the Bible says that, that Abraham's father was an idol maker. He made little gods. He made little idols. You can read it. It's in the Bible. His father was an idol maker. He lived in a land where they worshipped many gods. We call that polytheism. Many gods. So how did Abraham come to know in the one true living God? Well, many of the Jewish writers say it's because he figured it out. He was brilliant. He was intellectually worlds ahead of other people, and he, just, he figured it out. No, he didn't figure it out. The Scripture says that God called Abraham. The scripture says that God revealed himself to Abraham. And he said, you leave this land and you leave your family and you go to a land that I will show you. It was a matter of the sovereign grace of God. It was a matter of God revealing himself to Abraham. Lord, why are you speaking in parables? Verse 10. He said, because to some it's given... And to some it's not. 
And he gave some truth to Joseph. He didn't give it to Pharaoh and his advisors. He's given some truth to you and to me. He hasn't given it to much of the rest of the world. By speaking in parables, Jesus fulfilled two prophecies, thus giving a proof that he is the promised Messiah. Look at verses, verse 14. In them, I speak to them in parables, verse 13, verse 13. I speak to them in parables because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Now, my friends, this may seem to be a hard doctrine, but you cannot understand and you will not seek God unless he gives you that ability to do so. God does not come running to you because he sees you do something. No, you come running to him because he has done something. Now, that's exactly right. We can't get those two things reversed. Abraham didn't make a decision to know God. God made a decision to call Abraham. And that's what the scripture says. And we, you know why we have problems with things like that? Because we don't trust God. We're afraid if we let him be in control of everything, he might do something wrong we don't agree with. You know what that really means? It means we want to be in control. Brother, if I were in control of the world, it would be perfect. Because it'd be just like I want it. That's exactly where we're at. And that's exactly the lie that ser- the serpent, the devil, the deceiver, told Adam and his wife Eve in the Garden of Eden. He said, if you'll just go ahead and assert your independence, you go ahead and take this fruit, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God. You'll determine for yourself what's good and evil. You won't need God telling you what's good and evil. God telling you what to do and not to do. God, no, no, no. You will decide. Your will will be supreme and God will be a beggar out here waiting to see what you're going to do with him. Let me tell you, that's a reverse of scripture. What in the world does I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy mean if man is in charge? What does that mean? What could Lazarus do when he was in the grave, John chapter 11, been dead four days? Jesus had to go to Lazarus. He had to go where Lazarus was because Lazarus was dead. Jesus had to say, move the stone. Jesus had to call Lazarus. And with the word that he called him with, he had to send the power of life into Lazarus giving him life that he might respond to that commandment, Lazarus, come forth. My friends, there can't be any other way. You don't go up to a corpse in a, in a funeral home and say, if you wiggle your toe, I'll get you out of here. Just wiggle your toe, blink your eye, scratch, do something. Just, just let me know you want out and i get you out. No, no, that person's dead. Unless God sends life into them, they're going to stay dead. Now, verse 14 through 16, Jesus said, These people, not being able to see spiritually, though they can see with their eyes, not being able to hear spiritually, though they can hear with their ears, and they don't understand. That sounds to me like Romans chapter 3. There's none that seek God. There's none that understand. It's Romans chapter 3, verse 9 through about verse 19. So he says, In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah said, Hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. The people's heart is waxed gross, their ears are dull of hearing, the eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their heart, <clears throat> be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, verse 16, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. My dear friends, God Almighty is the difference between whether people see or not. Yes, sir. And he gave information to Joseph. He didn't give it to Pharaoh. Jesus fulfilled two prophecies. Let me not lose my 
place here. Number one, the prophecy we just read, verses 14, 15, and 16, that shows that he's the Messiah. And then the other two, uh, verses 34 and 35, that's the other prophecy, verse 34 and 35. All these things spake Jesus, verse 34, unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable did he not speak unto them, that it might be fulfilled. Which was spoken by the prophet. The prophet who? What prophet is this? David, Psalm 78. The prophet, David, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret. See, he's the secret revealer. Joseph is a type of Jesus, of the Messiah, being the secret revealer, the Savior. Been kept secret from the foundation of the world. There are mysteries kept secret from the foundation of the world which have been revealed unto the children of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is at least one of the reasons why Jesus spoke in parables. Now I want to be very clear here. Very clear. Spiritual understanding, coming to understand things spiritually, has nothing to do with education, or intelligence, but with revelation. A child can understand what a professor of philosophy or psychology cannot if God comes to that child by his spirit. Spiritual understanding comes from the spirit. Does that make sense? Spiritual understanding comes from... From the Spirit. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I told a guy a while back, he's a bibliophile. You know, you hear all these uh, terms today, a bibliophile. He's a lover of books. That's all right. That's nothing illegal. <laughs> Not like pedophile or something like bibliophile. He's a lover of books. But I told him this, I said, it is amazing to me how the Bible sheds light on those books. I don't read the books of men to find out what the Bible says. I read the Bible and check them out against Scripture. Because after all, they're just fallible men, just like I am. They're telling you what they think. But I'm not going to go to the Word of God and interpret it based on what some man thinks. I'm going to go to the Word of God and say, Lord, you show me by your Spirit. You show me. If God created the world, he's capable of teaching me and teaching you. What we want is we're dependent on all of this material from people instead of being dependent on the Spirit of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter one, he says, let me get over here. I'm still in Romans. First Corinthians chapter one. The apostle says that he is a, an apostle through Jesus Christ, through the will of God. He says that in verse one, verse one, to the will of God. All right, now, he says in verse 17, Christ did not send me to baptize, but preach the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that we throw baptism out. He's talking about these people had an issue here, and he's going to deal with that issue. But he says the preaching of the gospel is not, verse 17, with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. In other words, we don't want to dazzle people with ourselves. We want to dazzle them with Christ. The old story I heard years ago during the days of Charles Spurgeon, I've shared this story with you before. A man and a woman went to hear a great uh, preacher in England. Uh, he was known uh, in, uh, all over Europe. And when they came out of the service... He said to his wife, what did you think, honey? And she said, what a preacher. 
I've never heard anything like that in my life. What a preacher. Later, they were told about Charles Haddon Spurgeon. They went to hear him. And when they came out of that service, he said to his wife, what do you think, honey? She said, oh, what a Savior. What a Savior. My friends, George Whitfield said, let the name of George Whitfield perish from the earth, only let Jesus Christ be glorified. It doesn't matter whether anybody knows your name or my name or not. We want them to know him. We want to point to him. So he says we're not trying to dazzle people with the wisdom of words. When we do that, when we draw attention to ourselves, we're making the cross of Christ of none effect. All right? He says God has made a determination, verse 19, I'm going to destroy the wisdom of the wise. I'm going to bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. I'm going to take down the wisdom of man. Men will never know me by trying to figure me out. They'll never know me by trying to find me by their own wisdom and their own intellect. Verse 22. I'm sorry, verse 21. In the wisdom of God... The world by wisdom did not know God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom, all of the Greek philosophers. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews. He is a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks he is foolishness. People must have a spiritual understanding. God has chosen, verse 27, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world God has chosen, and things which are despised God has chosen, and things which are nothing to bring to nothing things that think they're something. That's verse 28. Why has he done it this way? Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Now look at chapter 2. Chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God foreordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. I just read this to you a while ago. Had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. As it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him, but God has revealed them to us. Notice the word revealed. He has revealed them to us. Okay? Verse 11. What man knows what's in a man except the spirit of the man that's in him? That makes sense to me. Nobody knows what's in you or in me right now but ourselves. Okay? Now, he says in verse 12 of chapter 2, We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things which are freely given to us of God. The way we know these things is because the spirit has enlightened us. The spirit of Christ has opened up our minds. The spirit of Christ has given us grace to receive it and faith to believe it. The natural man, verse 14, the natural man, the Greek word sukikos, carnal man. The natural man, the man is just like he came forth into the world. He receives not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. He can't know them because they have to be spiritually discerned, and he doesn't have the Spirit. You know, I've, I've compared that to an antenna. Recently, uh, I went and got in my car and turned over to channel 113 on Sirius Radio and came up and said, this channel's not available. It's been available. 
I told Lynn, I said, I, I'm tired. I put that thing on auto draft, and I'm tired of them lapsing out on me. I said, I'm just going to let it go. I'm just going to listen to OAM and FM. I can't listen to serious radio because I don't have a serious radio receiver. And if you don't have an AM receiver, you can't get an AM station. If you don't have an FM receiver, you can't get an FM station. And if you don't have a spiritual receiver, you can't receive spiritual things from God. And that's exactly what he's saying here. The natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God because he doesn't have a receiver. The receiver is the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to, to differ with my old friend Ray Ray Ragsdale is real, his real name. You know him as Ray Stephen. Ray wrote that song, Turn Your Radio On. Well, what are you going to do with a radio that all the, all the tubes in it are busted out? All the tubes are dead. Go ahead, turn it on all you want to. Is it going to receive anything? No, it's dead. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, You hath he made alive, you hath who has he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. And you know you were dead because of the way you walked. You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working among all the children of disobedience. Notice, he makes disobedience and hearing God's word, he puts those in the same family. If we have heard him, how can we not want to obey him? All right, so his second name is Savior of the world. Savior of the world. When God Almighty spoke to Joseph, it was for Israel's sake. It really wasn't for Pharaoh's sake. It wasn't really for the Egyptians' sake, and yet it was. But the primary reason was God had a purpose and his purpose was to fulfill the promise that he had made to Abraham that his people, his family, were going to move down into Egypt and they were going to be there over 400 years. And then he said, I'm going to deliver them and I'm going to take them to that land that I promised them. So the real reason he reveals this knowledge to Joseph is for Abraham's sake and for the promises' sake that he made to Abraham. So it was God Almighty who spoke to Joseph for Pharaoh's sake. Had not the Lord given Joseph an understanding of these dreams that Pharaoh had, he could not have known the meaning of the dreams, nor what to do about the coming storm. I hope you see that the Lord was behind it all. The Lord was behind it all. If you're saved... The Lord is behind it all in terms of your salvation. My friends, this is important. All the Lord has to do for any of us to perish in our sins is leave us alone. That's all he has to do. Leave us alone. Over 60 years ago, there was a man preaching in a church. His name was Ralph Barnard. He was preaching the gospel, and he said there was a young lady toward the back that was gripping the pew so hard her knuckles turned white. She didn't like what he was saying. She didn't want that Jesus he was talking about. And Mr. Barnard said, I went up to her after the message, and I was going to talk to her, and she screamed out, let me alone. Leave me alone. I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to be saved. I don't want to know about Jesus. Leave me alone. And then she said this, For Christ's sake, leave me alone. He said, okay. He said, for Christ's sake, I'll leave you alone. She left the meeting, went out that night, was killed in an automobile wreck, went out into eternity to meet God without a Savior without somebody to stand for her, without a representative. Let me tell you something. When God does something, it is for Christ's sake. And if you have a desire to look into spiritual things, if you have a desire to know the Lord, if you have a desire to understand the way of salvation, it's not flesh and blood moving you. 
It's not your flesh and blood or anybody else's flesh and blood. It's the Father in heaven. I wish we could believe the Bible. Listen to me one more time. Turn back to John chapter 1. John's Gospel chapter 1. I'm almost through. John chapter 1. We read those first three or four verses there. In the beginning was the Word, Word with God, Word was God. All things made by Him. Then verse 14, verse 14, the Word by which all things were made was made flesh and dwelt among us. Okay? Now watch this. You got your Bibles open? If you don't, listen, just listen. Revelation, I mean, uh, John chapter 1, verse 10. John chapter 1, verse 10. He, the Word that was with God, the Word that was God, the Word by which all things were made, He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, verse 10. And the world did not recognize Him. The world did not know Him. Watch it now. He came to His own, verse 11. He came to his own people. He came to his own family. He came to his own nation. But his own nation, his own people, they didn't receive him. But as many as received him. Verse 12. The King James says he gave the power. It would be better translated he gave the privilege to become the sons of God. Watch it now. Here's... Here's about the experience of man, even to them that believe on his name. You can't be saved unless you believe on his name. But what's behind that? What's behind believing on his name? Which were born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. He said God's behind it. He's behind it all. It is God who reveals things, and it is God who hides things. It is God who calls people, and it is God who passes people by. I'm telling you, the God of the Bible doesn't know any man anything. He calls people to truth. This world has gone absolutely crazy in our churches. We've just got to have entertainment. We've got to have strobe lights. We've got to have music. By which we can raise our hands and which we can... I don't have anything against raising your hands. You want to raise your hands while I'm preaching? Go ahead. You want to clap? Go ahead. But we're not going to have strobe lights in here. We're not going to turn this thing down, make it look like we're in the pit of hell here. We like light. We like light. I had a lady here two weeks ago and she said, the one thing I like about this church building, it's got light in it. (laughs) Well, let me tell you this. We have got to get back to preaching the gospel. We've got to get back to the word of God. We've got to get back to reading the scripture and opening up the scripture. God doesn't just save by talk. He doesn't just save by energy and enthusiasm. He doesn't just save by us getting excited about something. He saves by truth. And it says right here that it is God who must save, not the preacher, not the personal worker, talking you into making a decision for Jesus. No, sir. It says that they are born not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man. They are born of God. All right? All right, lastly. Joseph's name means, and this is from the Egyptian hieroglyphics, His name means Savior of the world. His name means Revealer of Secrets. And Zathnath Paeonia also means, listen, get this. I couldn't believe this when I discovered this, when the Lord showed it to me. Wise man fleeing from pollution. The children of God, people that are believers, are portrayed, they are presented, presented, they are pictured in the Bible as wise ones. Wise people seek the Lord. Wise people serve the Lord. Wise people want to be like the Lord. They want to imitate Him. They want to follow Him. Listen to what Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice. I call my sheep by name. I lead them out. 
John 10, 4, when he puts forth his sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me. Brother Sasser, I hadn't been a great follower. Well, I know that's why you're smitten all the time with conviction. That's why I'm smitten. I'm smitten every day by conviction because I don't follow the Lord like I ought to. I don't follow the Lord like I want to. That's why the Apostle Paul said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from me? I'm looking forward to the time when I'll be delivered from me. But if you don't have a struggle, my friend, I think you've missed it. It's the normal, natural state of a Christian to have a struggle, a struggle with the flesh, a struggle with the world, a struggle between your will and God's will. And this word, Zephnathpaneah, means wise man fleeing from pollution. The sheep of Jesus have been called by him, and he has put a desire in their heart to follow him. And men and women who will not hear the Lord and do not want to serve the Lord, they are portrayed in the Bible as foolish. People who build their lives and their never-dying souls on sand. Jesus said when he told that little story about the wise man and the foolish man, this is what he said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. It's the fool that is said in his heart, there's no God. It's the fool who thinks to go to heaven where the will of the Lord is always done, but he has no desire to do his will now. Does that make sense to you? Here's a man who doesn't have any desire. He wants to go to heaven. But he doesn't really have a desire to do the will of the Lord now. But he wants to go to heaven where the will of the Lord is always done. Aren't we taught to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven? You see, again, this is why we have this wrestling. <laughs> this is why we're convicted all the time. This is why we feel like beating our chest and say, oh God, help me. I'm such a sinner. I fall so far short. Lord, help me. I don't think this generation knows anything about that. If Christ is your Savior, He is your wisdom. He's the wisdom of God for wise men. He's the righteousness of God for wise men. He's the sanctification of God. And He's the redemption of God for wise men and wise women. Can a man, can a woman be a wise person fleeing from pollution and at the same time, continuously and habitually following after pollution. A man or woman who thinks himself or herself belonging to Christ, seeking his wisdom, while at the same time rejecting his counsel and his word, is a blind fool. I'm telling you, we have to, we do want to be conformed to the image of Christ. We want to be obedient to him, but we know we fall far short. We know we fall all the time. And we cry after him, Lord, help me, forgive me, cleanse me. All right. I need to cut this off today. Maybe I can pick it up again next week. But Christ is not only our Savior, he is our example. And I'll try to talk to you a little bit about that next week. So what are you going to do, Brother Sasser, when you stumble and when you falter? Well, you go to him and you confess your sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive you and to keep on cleansing you from sin. Now listen to this as I try to close. Though we should live like it all depends on us, we should, with all of our hearts, follow him because we know that it all depends on him. Even though Joseph knew what the dreams meant, even though the Lord gave him a plan for the coming famine, he knew that unless the Lord worked in all the things to bless it, nothing would come to fruition. Our salvation is Jesus Christ. He is the revealer 
of the secrets of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the wise man who has fled from all pollution. And we want to be like him, but we fail miserably. And you know what that failure does? That failure drives you back to him. (laughs) It drives you back to him. If you succeeded in everything, why would you need him? We fail and we we go back to him and we say, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. Cleanse me, O Lord. Help me, Lord. Strengthen me, Lord. Even the great apostle Paul said, In me that is in my flesh there dwells no good thing. Let me close out by telling you this. Jesus is the one who's been given a new name. He came as the Lamb of God. He's coming again as the Lion of Judah. He came as a helpless babe, but he's coming again as sovereign Lord. He came as a servant of servants. He's coming again as King of kings and Lord of lords. He came as the bearer of judgment. He's coming again to administer divine judgment. He came as the son of Mary. He's coming again as the son of God and Mary's Lord. The present and the future is in his hands. You know what that means? It means you can trust him with your soul. That's what that means. So I bid you look to him and trust him now. Only trust him, only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. He will save you. He will save you now. May the Lord add his blessings to the teaching of his word.